0: This is Shannon in Durham,
1: Chip in Durham,
0: and Erica in Edmonton. And you are listening to the audio guide to Babylon Five, episode eighty-one, "The Exercise of Vital Powers." Is it really the exercise of vital powers? I, thought I it was just exercise. Think so, oh, oh, we're back to this. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs>
1: on screen, it ju- on screen we lose the definite article. Um, everywhere oh. else it includes yeah, I'm, the...
0: I'm looking at the <laughs> lurker's guide and it's got it. <laughs> yeah, because I was confused. I
2: really thought that it had the the definite article there and then on screen it didn't have it. So in my <laughs> notes, I, I very carefully did not include the the...
1: Let me dramatically clear my throat and read from the Lurker's Guide. Ah, ahem. <laughs> the title as shown at the top of Act 1 is missing the leading "the", but the "the" was present in the pre-show information screen on the initial US satellite feed and it's present in the episode listing sent out by Warner Brothers, so it's included here.
2: <laughs> you guys, this this is the kind of nitpicky little stuff that I am so here for.
1: <laughs> it's our remit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not joking. Like, you might think I'm joking. Well, oh, I guess if you've been listening all this time, you probably realize I'm not joking, but I'm totally not joking.
1: <laughs> These are important.
2: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think some... A few of our listeners are here for opinions.
2: Yeah, well, uh, but, you know, <laughs> to each his or her own.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I I definitely have a couple of opinions, but I will give... um. I will give you all opportunity of opening up first. So,
2: (laughs) you know, I want to just to just jump straight to what Stephen did as soon as the episode was over. Uh, And that was, you know, how I have recently said that usually I ask him what he what he thinks after it's done. And for this, I think, second episode in a row, I didn't even have to do that. As soon as the credits finished, he just said that was really good. That was a really good episode. And then he applauded. So huh. so yeah, he was he was so on board for this and I have to admit my notes are very scant and thin because I found myself just sort of so wrapped up in what was going on that I took very very few notes.
1: I love this episode. Um I will have more to say about this episode after we pass through a jump gate, but but uh <laughs> mm-hmm. my my opening statement is yay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I was Having some trouble. <laughs> mm. I was having some trouble staying focused. Um, Grant that a little of that may be the massive headache I was developing, but I was trying mm. my best. Um, but this to me felt in some ways an awful lot like a throwback to season one with a lot of conversations. The the running Mm -hmm. gag was conversations in corridors, and we had at least one conversation in a corridor, Mm -hmm. but, you know, conversations in a living room on Mars, conversations in a bedroom on Mars, conversations in a tube on Mars, conversations in a med lab. Um, There was so much talking, and this, again, may be something that will eventually get talked about in in spoiler space, but um, we have talked about how... Season four was possibly going to be the last season and JMS had to accelerate and do a lot of smashing stuff together to get what he wanted to do done. And I personally felt like this episode shows some of that. I feel like that especially the Mars plot line could have been spaced out more um, and been a little more impactful to me. Uh, instead of just jammed all into this one episode where there was a hell of a lot of conversation to follow and not as much action, in my opinion.
2: You know what? You are are absolutely right about the amount of conversation. I did find myself at one point in this episode going, wow, there are just two people on the screen right now talking back and forth. This is a conversation-heavy episode. Mm -hmm. And almost as soon as I developed that thought, I completely forgot about it because I was so wrapped up in the conversation. So I feel like... (laughs) like I love your observation that it's it's in a way a throwback to season 1 because of of all of the the talking in in the rooms and stuff but I feel like this is a really kind of a neat reflection on how much the show has has changed and evolved and I think even how much JMS has grown as a writer from between season 1 and where we are now in season 4 because yeah this is a lot of conversations but they are conversations that I think think are so much more more gripping and flow better and feel more natural not that i had a problem with most of the conversations in season one it just it feels like these are in many cases actors and characters and the writer and maybe the director too who have have grown with the show and it's just it is is pumping along the way that it should be and in it except for that one brief moment it didn't even occur to me uh, that 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 is what is happening. So I, I think that it's, y- y- while you are absolutely right in, in
1: the, the strict letter of the law, I feel like it <laughs> felt
2: so different.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of world building in this episode, so much world building. Um, we learn so much from the conversation between Edgars and Garibaldi, much more than we ever have before, about just how, at least he thinks, President Clark operates and the politics between the Cycor and mm-hmm. the um and EarthGov and it feels suddenly the universe feels a lot realer to me as opposed to your good guys and your bad guys, uh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um the the
2: I don't know if it's you know, you say universe, but I feel like it's it's more more Earth and yes. the humans feel yes. a lot realer.
1: Yes. Um because suddenly President Clark, who who we haven't seen a whole lot of on this show, but suddenly President Clark feels like a real character to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that's just one example. Uh, Wade becomes more interesting. Lease becomes more interesting. And that conversation between her and Garibaldi is actually kind of fascinating. Um, I-, I get what you're saying, Shannon, about, uh, you know, talkie, talkie, talkie. But these are all really important conversations, uh,
0: and I'm not disputing that they're important conversations. I just feel like way too many of them were crammed into one episode. I, mm-hmm. I was feeling a lot of exposition dump um, as I was watching. You know, e- even if the language is better than it was in season one, even if the actors mm-hmm. are fitting their roles better, it still and and take this. Take this with a huge grain of salt, because like I said, you know, headachey not feeling well when I was watching it. <laughs> and if I rewatched it at a time when I was feeling 100 percent, maybe I'd be more on board. But like I said, it, it felt to me like JMS was having to cram a huge amount of stuff in here. And there was so much of it that for me, at least, um, it felt more like a hot mess instead of this opening up brand new world because I couldn't keep track of it all.
2: Yeah, I suppose when you are, uh, you know, having to... To cram a lot of information into one episode to do that world building that you were talking about, Chip, because of the acceleration of this season, it's it, it makes it sort of a more, you know, risky, l- love it or hate it kind of an episode. Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't hit right, then you don't have pretty graphics and funny quips to sort of save you. It's just all that conversation. And like you said, Shannon, if you're not, yeah. if you're not feeling it, you're just really not feeling it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But at I least felt today it. I wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt it
1: quite a bit. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, it's yeah.
0: All right. Okay. Um, Well, let's uh, run through for everybody else which episode we're talking about, and then we can come back to these topics. Uh, So, what you need to know. John Sheridan, commander of Space Station Babylon 5, is leading an offensive to free Earth's territories from military occupation by the Clark regime before turning to Earth itself. One piece of his plan involves a group of telepaths that were weaponized by a now-departed race called the Shadows. Former B-5 security chief Michael Garibaldi has been working for the super-rich and super-secretive William Eggers, owner of a massive pharmaceuticals corporation, and now finally gets to meet his elusive boss face-to-face, along with seeing Eggers's wife, Lise, again, who is Garibaldi's former flame. In this episode, Sheridan continues moving his fleet toward Earth and pushes Dr. Franklin to solve the problem of the shadow-enhanced telepaths because they will be needed, Lita's Vorlon-enhanced telepath abilities provide the breakthrough Franklin needs. Garibaldi has left the station for Mars and gets to meet his new boss in person. However, he continues to have to prove himself to Edgars, including submitting to an unwanted scam by a CyCor telepath and agreeing to arrange a way for Sheridan to be captured. Edgars wants President Clark out as much as anyone else, but on his terms, not Sheridan's. Edgars also seems to be okay with human test subjects for his products, even if he doesn't like seeing them suffer. And that is the exercise, exercise of vital powers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so. Um, I guess if we want to take a look at um, the telepath half first, uh, we have, again, sort of a plot B plot going on, uh, although they converge very tightly since they're both surrounding um, the uh, offensive against Earth. So um, this is, I think this is the first time in several episodes that we've seen Dr. Franklin. So I was, I was very glad to see Steven again and, you know, back in his element and trying his best to do what Sheridan wants.
1: Yep. Um. He and Rick Biggs does a great job with this episode, and he and you know, just about everybody in this episode have a lot to do. Uh, thanks to the script, so we see him properly doctoring, as opposed to being uh, a secret agent on Mars again.
0: Right. Um.
1: And you know, there's a little bit of techno babble involved there, but for the most part, it's uh really it, it's it's believable stuff, and Steven's very much being a doctor and. He's got a lot of range. Uh, the character has a lot of range in this episode, all the way from uh, trying to save and trying to solve a puzzle. We get some of that early. Um, I've just got to solve this kind of stuff mixed with right. the, his reflex of compassion all the way to the end when he has a uh, very you know pained conversation with Lita about whatever it is that Sheridan told him that he wants uh, Franklin to do. Yeah, um, I just
2: want to take a moment to give props for the everything involved in that conversation. Because of all of them, I felt like the, the, the choices in the writing, the directing, and the acting all merged to make just a wonderful scene. Because, you know, Lita says a few things when she first shows up and like right before she leaves. But for the most part, she is just standing there and reacting to him. And listening, and I think it just makes his what he says so much more powerful. And it seems like a really natural fit for someone who is a telepath to just sort of stand there and let somebody emote and sort well, of feel what they're feeling. It was I just love that
1: scene. Can, can I take your opportunity and make a further <laughs> opportunity and steer us Please? even further away from Shannon's outline <laughs>
0: yeah, to uh, <laughs> say
1: that John Lafia really rocks in this episode as the director? Um, oh, yeah. this is. Uh, I I typically notice, you know, all of the flourishes and camera work that uh that Mike Vehar does, you know, team Steven. But <laughs> LaFia's direction in this episode, the the actors and the cameras are in such perfect sync. I don't even recall Vehar being uh quite so masterful at this aspect of direction, but uniformly, actors non-verbals ...are perfect. Yes. Um, camera movement is perfectly in sync with the blocking of, of the actors. So while it may look a little stagey, there is such precision in where the actors stand and all that stuff. When you have match shots or uh, cutaways or things like that, the actors are doing the exact same thing. There are very, very few little continuity errors, and the actors are all reacting to lines of dialogue that are being written you know read off camera you know just perfectly
2: here here yeah um. this was just this was just a greatly directed episode and and I feel like I feel like resting the reins from Shannon to talk about that for a second <laughs> it only only um just like highlights how good it was that was one of the first things Steven said afterwards that he just he th- he thought that he had spoken highly of uh John Lafia's work before, but he was just very good it was just so well directed so
1: lafia lafia how how do we do this? i I don't know.
2: I feel like every, every, uh, you know, credits sheet at the end should come with a little pronunciation guide just for podcasters.
1: There you go. There you go. I like that Mm -hmm. idea.
0: Yeah. um, I did not notice a huge amount as far as directing, you know, as I said, and as you all said, this one felt very stagey. You know, Mm -hmm. two actors in a place talking. Um, I remember a few moments um, here and there of, you know, thinking that like close-ups were handled well, that sort of thing. But, you know, other than that, I was, um, you know, and, and I guess that's part of the point of a director is to not be noticed. You know, it's just true. It, the work stands there. So, um, I, I guess mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he's. John is, uh hes actually responsible for the Child's Play movies. Uh, so we'll give him really? points. Or yeah, he he's he was a screenwriter on the first one, and he directed the second one. So he gave us Chucky. So, <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> points and points or point deductions—I'm not sure which. Well, those, but, are, those
2: are fun movies in their own way. So
1: he knows what he's doing. He he yep. knows uh, what he's doing, but he is a different kind of director than Vehar, That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, should we should we go back to Shannon's outline?
0: I yeah, now yeah. that I can like strike off the part where we talk about direction. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Okay. Um, the thing I really did like about the tele—I I liked the telepath plot a bit better than I liked the Mars half. I mean, um, and what I one of the things I liked about it was, uh, you know, here I thought JMS used his need for economy very masterfully uh because we have um franklin dealing with the situation we get a few check-ins from sheridan as part of that b plot um or side plot whichever Mm -hmm. um what i really liked was um how he brought lita in for checking in on how she's doing with her new situation you know she gets to v- jump to conclu- there's a whole lot of lita in there you know like mm-hmm. her, her insecurities and how she is feeling about her situation she she's not feeling good she immediately assumes that zach is going to make her do something she's not supposed to do when he asks for help in the criminal case she immediately assumes that she did something wrong and runs out of Med Lab after waking the other telepath. You know, oh, Steven has oh, to go oh run. Oh no, her-
1: I've got to interrupt there. That's not what she's assuming. I don't think she's assuming that uh, Franklin's practically pulling a Joseph Mingley.
0: But she said, but her dialogue. She says something about I did something wrong or I uh, I ruined. I'm something. sorry,
1: I ruined your experiment. That's actually not. Uh, I don't think that that's guilt. I think that that's really being uncomfortable with what she thinks Franklin's doing.
2: mm Hmm. I think I guess you could read it either way I was kind of sort of on the fence in between I wasn't really sure what 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 it was supposed to be because because her line made me think that yeah she was suspecting maybe he was doing something weird but the way that she delivered it made me Mm -hmm. think that she was feeling like she ran off because she had screwed up and his reaction to what she said made it seem like he was thinking that she was just very sorry so she ran away he had to explain, no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. So I'm not sure how to read that one.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think she's more still more focused on, you know, her own, I did something to ruin whatever it was Stephen was doing. But, plus, I mean, I think Stephen is still one of the people she trusts. So I'm not sure that she would immediately jump to anything nefarious about this personally. Yeah, but
1: it looked so bad. I mean, she she didn't even necessarily know that that was a telepath in med lab with electrodes stuck to his head and things like that. And then. Um...
0: But the fact that she heard the shadow noise, I mean, and, and she, you know, she's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I in my personal opinion, her assumption would have been that Stephen, that these guys, that these people are victims of the shadows and Stephen's trying to help in some way and that she and, and she feels like by doing whatever it was she did she has screwed something up and maybe hurt hurt him and so she runs and Steven has to chase her down to say mm-hmm. no no this is good um yeah, so,
2: that's that's pretty much kind of how I I overall read it as well. It was the only line was the the actually it was just the word experiment was the only one that mm-hmm. made me kind of feel like what <laughs> it, it, that I was maybe reading it wrong, but because of because of because of the performances of the actors, I I ended up kind of more team Shannon, I think on this one. Yeah,
0: and I think I kind of you kind of well, for me personally, you, you need to read it that way in order for the partial reveal later on that Sheridan needs these telepaths for something. And he finally tells Stephen why, you know, and, you know, Lita sees how shocked Stephen is about or how upset he is about this in uh, and, and that conversation, I think, doesn't have as much impact if her first impression was Stephen's doing something awful to telepaths. So, yeah, good point. So that's my two cents. Oh, I think that's worth at least five. <laughs> <laughs> Are there other things uh, that we want to talk about as far as uh, the telepath side plot?
1: Just at, at the end, it's a little it's it's a little showy not telly. I mean it's a little telly not showy that Franklin goes through. You know, mm-hmm. when 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 yeah. Sheridan came back from Sahado <laughs> everybody said that he'd changed. But it's been several weeks in real time, uh, in, in an airing time that since that plot and, yeah. ever yeah. happened
0: and i mm-hmm. think that's kind of a clever thing for jms to do because having steven start thinking this now when on the other half of the episode we have mm-hmm. garibaldi who's been you know voicing these things all along finally making his decision to um to help Eggers and turn sheridan in um that that kind of lends weight to this even though most everything that we've seen from Sheridan personally has been his motives are good. His motives are, are, are a good guy. JMS has worked very hard Mm -hmm. to show that are his good guys are good guys. And we don't have any sense as viewers that Sheridan wants uh, to take over for himself. We, we, we've never gotten that impression as viewers. Um, But to have, now, a second character who has been on Sheridan's side all along suddenly wondering because of an issue that has not been revealed to the viewers yet, mm-hmm. I think is um is an interesting writer trick.
2: Yeah, Stephen Steven noticed that as well. That was one of the things that he said. He said, uh, you know, Dr. Franklin hearing whatever he heard from Sheridan and now having doubts about him. It's like everybody's having doubts about Sheridan, so it casts everything into doubt. So, yeah.
1: Although yeah. I'm not sure that it's doubts because at the end mm-hmm. Franklin exhales and says you know he's right he's, he's right. right it's right, the only way right. but
0: still the conversation happens yeah. which I think you know which I think is important even though yeah ultimately- I agree I
2: agree with you Shannon that the timing is is really sort of excellent here because it it does dovetail with the other half of of what is happening in this story which is really you know all about doubts about Sheridan and well doubts and fears I guess
1: mm-hmm well, Delenn did say that Sheridan was going to have to become dangerous.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: And we're now kind of, we're now really kind of starting to see that in those doubts. It's, it's sort of an extension of uh, Sheridan's ultimatum to the League of Non-Aligned Worlds about Earth's treaties.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. It, I mean, it just, r- regardless of the outcome of all of this, I feel like at this point, it really adds to the drama to to mm-hmm. just have have him being dangerous in a way that we don't completely understand yet. So it's, uh, it's very exciting for for the next episode, assuming we get the reveal next time.
1: Yeah. And if you'll let me segue us to the next item on Shannon's uh, outline. Um, yes, dear. You know, Go ahead. The... <laughs> the uh, the conversation about Sheridan being dangerous is reflected in our newly revealed William Eggers.
2: <laughs> Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I love yep. him.
1: <laughs> Alfred, yay! <laughs> sorry, I can't get off of that. He That's he is he is That's he is, is nothing podcast. other than the voice of Alfred to me. I'm sorry, yes. world.
2: <laughs> That's fine. He does have a he does have a great voice. I just always think of him as you know William Eggers, voice wise.
1: He's even better though in person than his uh than his disembodied voice. Um I, mm-hmm. I this is a veteran actor. He knows what he's doing. And he, he he and he and Jerry Doyle have a really good rapport, I think.
2: Mhm.
0: Mhm. Well, as much of a rapport as one can have when one is being made to jump through hoops yet again. That- well, that's that, <laughs> that, that
1: that's Jerry Doyle and then that's Garibaldi. Yes, I know. <laughs> right.
0: You know, as far as the Mars side of the this episode, I feel that if JMS had had uh, his full five seasons, that these, you know, two or three instances of uh, here, got to jump through this hoop now would have been spread out a bit um, and would have personally worked a little bit better for me. But, you know, it is what it is.
2: Yeah, it did feel like that was uh, I could definitely sense some some compression there, given how much William Edgar's has been focused on uh, trust and that sort of thing. Um, and given how Garibaldi has been sort of slow to give trust to other people, it did seem to come together pretty quickly. But it wasn't quickly enough that it, it, it bothered me too much, because on the William Edgars side, you have him using a telepath to you know to d- determine whether or not Garibaldi is telling the truth i guess that's a pretty uh, for the most part pretty airtight way to to figure out if you can trust trust someone and then on the garibaldi side we have just sort of seen him sliding down this I don't want to say anti Sheridan Road because it's clear that he still cares about him, but this right. you know, it... fear of Sheridan Road fast enough that it does make sense that 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 things are coming to a head now in the world. So he's kind of got to um, poo or get off the pot when it comes to decision making. Mm-hmm.
1: This is the first time that we've actually had Garibaldi express regret about the direction that Sheridan's taken now now that he's not in Sheridan's presence you know being oppositional to him there's mm-hmm. that that sort of seems to give the character some room once he's once he's away from there it's like you have the you have the arguments within the family but outside the family you're still a little prot- protective there's still a little mm-hmm. residual loyalty there Right. The
0: fact that Garibaldi consistently, you know, I'm not going to put him in a position where he's going to be killed. I'm not going to let Clark take him if he's just going to kill him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that that resonates.
1: It's 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 a sense that whatever has happened to Garibaldi to uh, make his opinions change in this way, it's still... Michael Garibaldi in there somewhere. And Mm -hmm. that is also reflected in the conversations that he has with Lees. He's very much having the kinds of conversations with Edgars that you would expect him to have, and the conversations Mm -hmm. with Wade that you'd expect him to have, and the reaction to being told not to touch anything that you would expect Michael Garibaldi (laughs) to have. Yes,
0: that was totally. That that was totally Garibaldi, yes. Yeah, like I said, I'm still trying to get around just it, just how much was happening in those various conversations and how much was getting crammed in. Um, and the for the first time, for me, at least the first time, it felt like they were kind of sledgehammers that whatever Edgar's is up to, it's no good. Um, lots of super supervillainy uh, <laughs> yeah. in, intuitions going on. Um, even Mm -hmm. before the, the scene with the, the sick people in, in the darkened lab, um,
2: yeah, I have to. Stephen asked me afterwards. Oh, he usually does. Oh, did you remember this episode? Like what happens in it? And I am usually I'm like, well, not specifically. And and this time I said, you know, I, I kind of remembered everything happening, but not all in the same episode. And I said, except the one thing that I had completely forgotten was Wade walking in and shooting the telepath after mm-hmm. she um, scans Garibaldi. Right. Um, which and this was another example of you know sort of economical casting on the Babylon Five side because you have this telepath who has a very prominent role. She gets a bunch of close ups and stuff Mm -hmm. and yet she's just an extra because she didn't say anything so i know she deserved
1: a credit because the non-verbal acting that she did in this episode was magnificent
2: she was really good she really was and then yeah and then to see wade come in and just mow her down uh, Mm -hmm. i was that was that was a shock moment for me because i had forgotten and was not expecting that to happen so yeah you're right there's there are definitely sort of hints of you know rich rich supervillain stuff going on. And and yet it's I felt like it was really well balanced because it maybe part of it is the you know the Ephraim Zimbalist Jr style and panache and stuff like he came off as somebody who really does genuinely care at the end when you got all these sick people you know mm-hmm. yes it is it is very super villainy to just say put them down as if they are you know just animals mm-hmm. but at the same time he he doesn't want to cause suffering so there's that little hint of of humanity there so it was it was a, it was a neatly balanced sort of a thing and we still don't quite understand what's going on but right. you know i admit to feeling slightly Conflicted about about who this guy is and what he wants.
1: I do not feel conflicted one bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's 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 feeling some awfully convenient compassion for these people that he's done something to. True. He, he true. the the dialogue shows that he has taken them off some sort of drug, and the disease is progressing rapidly, and that poor. Person in the in, in the in the center uh, bed thing. that he holds hands with is clearly in pain, clearly mm. conscious, clearly mm-hmm. suffering, understands that something bad is happening, and Edgar's feels oh so sorry for the suffering that he's going through, and his solution to the suffering is to kill him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you've talked me out of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and from, I'm just it, so
2: easily swayed.
0: Well, and, and for me, I, of all things, the the thing that ke- that keeps me on the supervillain side is his the fact that he will not let go whether or not Garibaldi is still in love with Lise. It's like you know that he he goes through all this trouble to get the telepath and to get stuff you know figure out mm-hmm. what Garibaldi's opinions are about his main plans, uh, or whatever. The issues are surrounding his main plans and then uh, you know oh by the way are you still in love with my wife and it's like okay oh. dude
1: <laughs> no if, if
0: that's going to be a problem then mm-hmm. don't use him
1: no i but... love that i love that actually because um it's 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 a very human moment i am on team edgar's is awful based on the information in this episode but he's very smart and and he's calculating and he is i think that moment of by the way are you still in love with my wife Mm -hmm. is 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 it's a very human moment um Mm -hmm. it's you know if i were an awful mega corp owner who had a telepath in a room with my wife's ex totally i would ask the question (laughs)
2: Yeah, and I read it as too as not like you know you talk about him being cold and calculating, and he totally is. I felt like that moment it was not it was not a Columbo moment. It was not an oh, just one more thing to like you know as a stinger. It was a genuine oh, I have this opportunity. Do I, I have anything before. to worry about? Now I'm going to take it because I think he, you know, I don't know if he, we haven't seen enough to know if he actually really does love Lise or if he sees her as some sort of a possession as rich people in TV shows often do, right. uh, but whatever the case is, I think he he's he's wondering how Garibaldi is going to affect that because clearly Garibaldi is well-placed for, for whatever he's got in mind for him. But, uh, you know, Possibly uh, turning Sheridan over to Clark, but... At the same time, like this is this is his wife, and this is his wife's ex, so that makes it a little extra complicated and and soap opera y. Which actually, I have to admit that the the one sort of weak point about this episode for me was the scenes between Michael and Lise. because they felt very very soap opera y, well, and it yeah. was it was, and I I realized that she was a soap actress, and that came through very clearly, and it just it stood out a bit like a sore thumb because. We don't have that type of melodramatic acting on Babylon 5 very often. And it just the, the way that she moved her mannerisms, the blocking, like the way that she like lifted her her hands up to sort of her shoulders and her neck. Like those are all movements that I have seen on soap operas so many times that it's it, it really struck me as like, whoa, what are we doing here? What's what's happened?
0: Yeah. And for me, that jumped out. um as a scene that just felt like it was retreading old ground. I mean, we have seen Michael and Lise have this conversation at once, twice already, possibly. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that we needed it a third time. But That's
2: also a soap opera thing. Completely yeah. Like having the same conversations between two characters over and over and over
0: because again. Because you don't time. know how many people... Mm-hmm. Well, Yeah, and you don't know yep. how many people have seen the previous ones. Yeah, exactly. I
1: didn't mind it too much myself because... There was movement. It wasn't exactly the same conversation. They wound up in a different place than they ended the last time that they had this conversation um, on B5. Garibaldi walked out of that last conversation angry and dismissive. Um, Well, okay, that was the first conversation. They had two conversations in that one episode where uh, Mm -hmm. they rehashed the argument and uh, Garibaldi ended it pissed. And then there was a bit of minor reconciliation um, in the middle of uh, trying to get her and Wade to safety. This time around, in the end, Garibaldi has something to apologize for, and he recognizes it, and that's something that's different so it's not entirely the same ground that's been covered
2: that's true but we still covered it like like a scene straight out of as the world turns Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: yeah okay uh can we think of anything else as far as the general mars plot that we have not already touched on i guess i just thought of one other
2: thing that is um you know team edgar's is a jerk face and that is how he how he gets garibaldi to the the telepath room in the first place like busting oh, yeah. into his room with <clears throat> masked guys and and pulling him out in the middle of the night just so that he will have his adrenaline up and his heart beating fast and stuff mm-hmm. like okay fine he's a super villain if you say so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but he but he's straight up with he's straight up with garibaldi about why he did it i mean you know mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah uh, for me, one thing that, that hit me a couple of times listening to Edgar's laying out his general plans and justifications, uh, the idea that the megacores, the, the businessmen are the ones that really are running the show, that, given the last several years in U.S. politics, that that hit too close to home. <laughs> yeah. Corporations
2: are people, don't you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh we talked about this a little bit before but now we know who president clark is in a way at least the way the mm-hmm. uh the megacorps uh regard him and we get some interesting backstory to the Psycorps and the shadows mm-hmm. and uh and earthgov and how those three sort of interact
0: yeah which w- was You know, I guess can be helpful in in connecting the dots, but also that there were several times I just felt like Eggers was chasing like, you know, three different tigers with two different tails each because we've got the the government side and uh, how the government got to the point that it is and what Eggers wants to do to stop it. And then on the other hand, there's some stuff involving telepaths because, you know, we thought that Eggers did not like having telepaths. He didn't want Garibaldi to hire Lita. He immediately axed that. And yet, on the other hand, he uses a telepath. And then of course, it makes a little more sense because he kills said telepath. Um, so, you know, he's willing to use them enough um, for his own ends, but not enough, but not treat them like equal people. <coughs> for, for a supervillain, he's juggling a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> supervillains do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And speaking of speaking of sort of the overtopness of of supervillains, one of the things that sort of made me laugh at the very beginning and very end of this episode was because you remember how Stephen, my Stephen, said that uh, Garibaldi was going to go off to Mars and have his own Mm -hmm. his own show uh, about solving crimes and stuff. And then we get this episode (laughs) that starts with a very film noir Voiceover, yes, you know Mars. Yes. I can't believe I'm back on <laughs> Mars, and it and it ended the same way. It was I was just like I whispered to Stephen, "Oh my gosh, he is getting his own <laughs> detective show." Here we are.
1: But did we have to call it a personal log? I mean, come on.
0: Well,
2: I know that's that is a thing that they do consistently on this show that always makes me kind of roll my eyes a little bit. I understand. It's, I'm sure it's an homage because you know of JMS being such a, a Star Trek fan, but
0: but still. <laughs> OK, um, is there anything else anybody has, uh, whether it's any other stuff from Erica, Steven or in general <laughs> that we have not touched on?
2: Uh yeah Stephen Stephen he he loved this episode he thought that the twists and the turns and the plot development and this whole thing was was really was really good and he was delighted that it was on Mars for mm-hmm. so much of it he's, he's just like it's it's all different sets and the the fudging telepath was there too uh, he didn't say fudging <laughs> so he was he was very excited by this episode for for multiple reasons
0: okay all right Well, then I guess we will shift gears and uh, get ready to go through a jump gate in a minute. Uh, But before we do that, those of you who are getting off at this station, uh, please always, as always, come visit us uh, on our website uh, where we have chat threads for you guys as well as uh, chat threads for people who know everything that's happening, uh, b5audioguide.com. We are also on Tumblr and Twitter at b5audioguide. Uh, nice and easy to find us in any of those places uh, to come and talk to us. And your homework for next time is going to be the face of the enemy. We will be discussing that on our next episode. And until then, uh, let's go through a jump gate.
1: I have so okay. much to say.
0: Yeah, for this one, for the first time in a long time, there's a hell of a lot of going forward. Yeah. Chip, have at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let it flow, man. Uh, We've been getting hints of the coming conflict between telepaths and normals. This episode and the next just basically lay it bare and what amazes me about the telepath war is that it happens entirely off camera between mm-hmm. Babylon 5 and Crusade that just yeah. amazes me that you know it's 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 covered to a certain extent in uh spinoff media uh that J- JMS authorized but um the stuff between Byron and the Psi and Earth and all this other this this is this is part and parcel, and regardless of how successfully they execute it in uh season five uh you know every it, it, there there is just there is just so much here, and it fascinates me that the bulk of it happens off screen and is really incredible backstory to the status quo that we enter uh crusade with.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I get the feeling, you know, JMS was doing his best at this point of the writing and production. Um, and certainly uh, Pat- Patricia Tallman is like, kicking butt uh like six or seven times Mm -hmm. this episode you see her face change just the tiniest bit and i'm just like yeah there's another crack yeah there's another crack Mm -hmm. yeah it's just you know at this point jms is doing his best to build up uh what is going to happen um but like you said you know as we go through season five we'll see how well that happened and yeah the, the fact that the majority of the conflict is far away and not on screen um yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, but this yeah, is actually diffi- one of the kind reasons of that I couldn't say in uh, pre-spoiler space this, that I thought that Lita was taking a much more suspicious line towards mm-hmm. Stephen and the quote experiment close quote than um, you two did because yeah. you know uh, the the humans versus nor- versus telepaths thing is going to be really really important to Lita uh, coming yeah. forward and this yeah. is just I've, another I've re- chink that's there. True.
0: Yeah, and I can see what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I still sort of felt like she wasn't quite to that point yet, at least not with Stephen. There are, are there other people that she is suspicious of? If Sheridan had been, if she had walked in and Sheridan was there good watching Stephen do it, then I think she would have almost immediately started assuming more of the worst. But, you know, Stephen is still someone she trusts at this point, which is why I took the other direction. Um, Yeah. Good point. But yeah, yeah, props to props to Pat Tallman.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, but oh man, and and, and again, so much of this uh, so much of this really comes home next episode when um, Bester explains everything to Garibaldi, um, which uh, I'll be be interested to sort of how I'll be interested in how I re-experience watching that happen through dialogue on a tube um, as we were just (laughs) talking about, but but yeah, it's 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 huge. And um there's going to be a line uh, just before the season ends where uh Sheridan faces Bester and says, you know, we both know there's a telepath war coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is this 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 helps Establish that we don't know that the people in the beds are telepaths we're not actually told that it's a safe assumption Mm -hmm. because this was all because
0: we've had previous hints about viruses affecting telepaths and cures
1: yeah and and, and uh and edgar's you know edgar's is told that they stopped administering the cure a few days ago and that's what put them so you can infer that those are those are telepaths that he's Mm-hmm. Forcing to suffer and then is going to mercy kill, um, but uh, mm-hmm. but we don't know that yet.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I, my mind is kind of blown just when I think about the fact that the the Garibaldi reveal with Bester is is yes. almost right. here. And in my memory of Babylon Five, when I think about it, I just I always seem to remember Garibaldi's sort of defection arc as being like just taking so much time and maybe that's because I was watching it happen in real time so it stretched Mm -hmm. out over you know an episode a week and that sort of thing but but yeah it always just seems like it lasted forever possibly because I was so sad and upset and (laughs) uncomfortable watching Garibaldi do all of these things and then watching it for this podcast and I know we're only watching an episode every couple of weeks but still it seems like it's just so much more it happens so fast and it's it's almost Done already. Uh, whereas in my mind, it's just like this giant thing that lasts forever mm-hmm. and ever. Weird how memory works. Yeah.
0: Um, and again, I don't know how much of this is, you know, the the compression uh, for, because of the doubts of season five. But to have, you know, Garibaldi, you know, make the decision. It, he learns part of. Eggers' plans in this episode, he makes the decision, he will, he will be Judas to Sheridan, and get him turned over, and I have a thought about that in a minute I'll come back um, and then in the very next episode Eggers tells all which is the trigger for Garibaldi to contact Bester and tell him all um, it just, you know, th- this feels like it, n- it needed two or three episodes to breathe personally, for me
1: yeah i i don't agree i don't agree i feel like this is i think this episode in particular gets the pacing just right in terms of actually setting up everything whereas earlier in this season we just moved so fast that there was no setup it was just um plot development especially when it came to resolving the shadow war um I th- I think that there is so much work being done in this episode that it makes the rest of the season work really, really well. So I think it's kind of essential.
2: I'll have to report back after the next episode <laughs> about how I feel about yeah. the uh, the pacing of it overall. Because I really did enjoy enjoy this, but I very much see what mm-hmm. you mean, Shannon, in that had we had a little bit more time for... Um, for the world building mm-hmm. part of it that we talked about earlier that chip was talking about for that to have sort of been seated in uh, a little bit earlier so that it's, it sort of forms kind of like the baseline layer yeah. of our subconscious exactly. as we find out about the twists and turns. I think that having the world building separated a little bit from the intrigue would have been helpful as far as, as, as really mm-hmm. digesting exactly. This plot line.
0: exactly. I d- I'm not sure that we had enough time to digest before the next thing happens. Yeah. But. Well, I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll
1: I'll I'll drive that I'll drive this point so deep into the ground. it can't be getting gotten back. But I wonder if this is one of the reasons that Stephen liked this episode so much is that motivations uh, and e- explanations and understandings of the complexity of the of the of the conflict are provided. And I would think that it's possible that Stephen uh-huh. comes out of this episode understanding where season four of Babylon five has been has been and is going to go i would not be at all surprised if he appreciates that
0: Hmm. possibly Mm, interesting thought yeah um i do want to come back to to one thing that had me hitting my head on my desk a little bit how can clark's people be so stupid as to not have garibaldi's idea how can they I mean, I can't understand why Garibaldi would have this knowledge all to himself about Sheridan's dad and needing this drug. I mean, you mm. know, medical records. I mean, you know, HIPAA is not a thing in this universe. Um <laughs> you know, that that makes me head desk just a little bit. Uh that that yeah. as as the way for Garibaldi to um get Sheridan to come to Mars so he can be captured
2: my headcanon <laughs> for that is that is that you know because his dad used to be a, an ambassador or right, diplomat of, right. of some sort so he's he's a smart guy he's a canny guy so my headcanon is that he has has kept that drug sort of a secret and he's been sort of hiding hiding it perhaps all along just just because or has taken some some steps with some help of of resistance friends no they mentioned that yeah to sort of bury that they, they,
0: they mentioned that he's mm-hmm. got you know somebody doing it as a go-between but but still
2: yeah but even even more even more than just like a go-between which is that it's it's been you know perhaps somehow wiped out from from his past records and i feel like the idea that that garibaldi is is good or was good friends mm-hmm. with sheridan that that would be the kind of thing that garibaldi would know on a personal level because you can't track Mm -hmm. that anymore like that would be a thing that if you if you searched you wouldn't find it listed under his dad's name
0: yeah or or garibaldi being garibaldi he you know may have sussed out sheridan way long before there was any need for his dad to be secretive about it
1: but anyway here's my Mm -hmm. on-the-spot headcanon because i i I did this that flaw in the plot never uh never occurred to me until you (laughs) mentioned it shannon um Mm -hmm. in the babylon five universe EarthGov, regrettably, does not have single-payer health care. It's an American <laughs> model of health care. And Sheridan's dad was hiding his illness because it was a pre-existing condition and he wouldn't get insurance otherwise.
0: <laughs> I love you, dear. Uh, I like it. I like it. Okay. All right. Um, is there anything else that we can think about? Going forward, we have the mentions of the progress that, um, the, uh, offensive towards Earth is making, that they've, uh, liberated, uh, a couple of more colonies, uh, there's the quick mention that, uh, we've got more destroyers and, uh, Earth ships defecting to Sheridan's side, you know, Sheridan gives the very loaded, things are going too well mentioned, which, of course, um, of course they are, because, you know, very next episode, dude, you're gonna get caught,
1: mm-hmm. um. I was wrong when we talked last episode. Uh, this is not the episode where Mackie shows up again. So that'll be next time. So mm-hmm. next time will also be the return of the Agamemnon. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I like that we only get bits and pieces of Sheridan and his fleet. We don't get any of the combat, and any of the stuff. We just get reports that his movement is growing. And mm-hmm. I think that that's I, – I like what this episode does with that because it makes um, Sheridan's capture all the more a blow because we do mm-hmm. have this feeling of momentum building. And uh, uh, that's also contributed mm-hmm. to by uh, Edgar's talking about uh, President Clark running scared.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'd also like to uh point out that I think that JMS has done a really good job in the last few episodes, especially this one seeding the telepath solution to the mm-hmm. fight. Um Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Franklin in his yeah. uh Franklin in his description of the problem and the reason that all of his systems have to be isolated by the main system is that um he's afraid that the uh telepaths are going to go all cylon on their systems. It's, again, very, very helpful in ensuring that the telepath strategy at the end of in, – in, in the final battle doesn't just come out of nowhere.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 That was
2: a nice – I think that was a nice reminder for people, too, of, of what had happened before. Because I know Steve, my Stephen often has trouble remembering things that happened a while back. So just those couple little lines of dialogue about merging with the computer systems oh, is yeah. like just a I I remember oh, when that – tick in that box
0: yeah mm-hmm. um yeah it definitely works uh definitely um helps and i and, and the fact that um franklin's reaction to whatever it is that sheridan's planning is so conflicted as he says it, he doesn't see any other way to do it but you know this is apparently going to use these people in some way harm them poss- possibly kill them we don't know um but uh franklin's taking it very hard uh and uh jms is making sure that um you know good guys doing something bad but they feel really bad about it well put <laughs> yeah see also supervillains with compassion <laughs> <laughs> okay um well if that is everything everybody has mm-hmm. Then uh, we can wrap up. Uh, Thank you all once again for listening. Please come talk about these episodes on our website and our chat threads. Uh, You can tumble and tweet at us at B5 Audio Guide. The website is b5audioguide.com. Next time we will be talking about the face of the enemy. And until then, this is Shannon in Durham. Chip in Durham. And Erica in Edmonton. And you've been listening to the Audio Guide to Babylon 5.